Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, brought to you by HypeBot.com. I remembered it this time. Nicely done. (laughs) I am one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, I'm joined by, not always, because you weren't here last week. I wasn't. Some of the you times know, I'm joined by my co-host. felt like, you know, we need to see other people. I'm, I'm going through a thing. It's not you, it's me. Jay, Jay Gilbert, welcome welcome back. Hey, you know, work comes first. We, we've got That's clients right. and everything. Um, That's right. Let's, let's jump right in. We have a special guest joining us. We're joined by Andy Beersack from uh, Black Veil Brides is where I'm assuming most people might know you from, Andy, but you've also sure. got your solo career, Andy Black. Um, and you've been a guest a couple times on my other podcast, Three Sides of the Coin, because you're a huge Kiss fan. But yes. we won't go down the Kiss rabbit hole on this episode. But what brought you to this podcast is your um, just your honesty and intelligence and outlook on the music industry is just really, it's a refreshing discussion. So we thought we'd have you come in and... You know, from your perspective as somebody who, you know, basically clawed your way up. I mean, sure. I mean that, that's a fair well, description. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how refreshing uh, the perspective is of somebody who's in a rock band in 2017. Uh, well, you know, it's sort of like I'm the guy I'm the guy who's making the brand new Walkman CD player that every year I'm like, guys, <laughs> I got a brand new Walkman this year for you. Uh, no, but I mean, truthfully, the thing is that... Um, one of the one of the biggest things for rock music right now is that there is um, there's a misconception amongst um, many people that the genre has been uh, while it has been in many ways in the mainstream culture subjugated to sort of a, a like on the on the outskirts of mainstream culture so much of the rock world is utilized by um, the pop world and in terms of fashion and aesthetics is heavily utilized by the pop world and you're seeing elements of it start to sneak into um, the top 40 pop world and all of us in the rock world who have been succeeding and thriving and building careers in the last 10 years um, in the alternative scene and in the heavy metal scene and in the world tour world um, for us the genre is very much alive and well and the record sales are still there I mean if you look at any week uh, the, of the top 10 artists, a lot of us drop off after the first week or two, but the sales figures are always there. You've got, you know, bands like All Time Low and Motionless and White and Pierce the Veil and so many others um, that consistently when we put out records, um, we are represented well by the audience. And so uh, for me, my perspective is interesting because I'm not someone who has become hugely wealthy off of being a quote unquote rock star. But I've been fortunate enough to be able to gain, I suppose, notoriety internationally and build a career for the last decade off of being in a rock band in a world where being in a rock band isn't necessarily the main way of, you know, you're not going, people don't get into rock bands in 2017 and go, man, I can't wait to be a millionaire in six months. You know, it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, and so you really, the level of passion in the art is so much more intense um, because all of us know that we're going to have to work that much harder. Yeah, yeah you know, go, go ahead, Jay. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you're absolutely right, but you also know that there's a huge base out there. It may not be EDM. It may not be, you know, some other, you know, pop country, whatever, but there's still a lot of rock fans out there and you can still, you know, have a career, right? It may not be what it used to be, but where do you see like without speaking about numbers, where do you see your revenue coming from on the rock side? Is it touring merch? Is it, you know, music sales? Is it sync? Where where on the rock side do you feel like, you know, you can make a living these days? 
You know, it's it's. I think uh, my perspective is a little bit different than a lot of rock bands in that even our even our um, peers in that we're on a major label, right? So we're with the Universal Music Group Machine, and so um, statistically, the money for me is not necessarily coming from the record sales. There's there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen. Now we're very happy with our label and have been there for for about seven years and have an excellent A and R and Jason Flom who's believed in us and kind of brought us to the point where I'm at in my career and has done the same thing for my solo career. Um, but we don't see a lot of money from that world. Now, I understand that, by and large, one of the main revenue streams for people is uh, merchandise in terms of touring. Again, because of the major label world for us, we see money off of merchandise, and we have a separate merchandise deal carved out from our label deal. We are not in a 360 deal in that capacity. Um, so we do see money from that. So that's probably uh, my biggest revenue source in terms of my um, overall, the thing I make the most money for for my life. Is generally yeah. speaking nice touring is still um hugely important but in terms of like blackfield brides our scale is in terms of staging and manpower and everything else has gotten to the point where we're not seeing um an exceptional amount of money coming out of touring which we, i suppose we could if we stripped everything down sure because but the show's so making, expensive we're making enough money to be able to um provide the led walls and any kind of you know pyro or whatever else like because that that show is very big for me with andy black um, my solo show is very stripped down um and so i suppose in, in terms of monetary gain that's a little bit more successful for me but truthfully um merchandise i believe and it's kind of the old standard everybody's saying these days is merchandise is the thing you make the most money off of it's not a wives tale it is true that that is kind of financially probably the most beneficial thing you know in in this day and age you know, there's 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 discussions all the time about streaming and mm. good and bad. You know, streaming is the future. Streaming is where you discover music, and then you hear the other side where where artists and 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 anybody who's creative songwriters are screaming. Streaming sucks because we don't make any money off of it. Yeah. As, as an artist who. You know your your career has has been in in streaming. I mean that's been a big part of your your music career from the beginning. I mean streaming's always been around, and digital downloads have always been part of of your world. What's your take on that? How do you feel as an artist about streaming? Um, well, truthfully, I mean you know that that old adage, ignorance is bliss. Uh, for me, when it comes to the olden days of people buying records. Um, Though my band has been around for 10 years, the last 10 years have not been kind to record sales. Um, and it wasn't as if I came onto the scene and was selling millions of records and then suddenly someone pulled the rug out from under me. And I understand the perspective of an older artist who rails against the idea of streaming because it is a less significant revenue source than direct to consumer. You're getting all this money and you, people are buying millions of records and you've got a, a mansion with a pool because of it. Um, for me, as someone, as we just discussed, who's had to scrap in other ways to make money in the early days to build myself up to have a comfortable career in life, um, the sales of records have never been something that, to, you know, as they say, to write home about. So people hearing the music has been truly the most important tool in cultivating a career and allowing for the tour to become successful and allowing for um, the brand, as it were, to become successful. So people hearing the music is incredibly important. And a lot of times in this day and age, people don't buy the records. So if there is an option for there to be some monetary gain 
for an artist when most people are just going to listen to the record for free and rip it or str- and listen to it by the way in a uh the not the form that we intended because often you hear youtube streams which are people that have processed the song to avoid the bots that you know they brought it down a half step or whatever it is so people know and learn black veil bride songs where i sound like uh you know like one of those like guys who's trying not to uh (laughs) to give their identity away on like a crime show right down have a step and they're going oh it's my favorite song go wow you'd really love it if you heard the correct tuning that it's supposed to be in um but so avoiding that uh, obviously, there's there's the method where people just now make a music video for every song on the record. Um, that's also possible. If you, you know, with music videos getting cheaper, people do that. But people want the the audience to hear their music because for us, we understand that the record sales are not going to be the indicator of of uh, the like in terms of long term building a career. So, long story short, streaming being at a place where it's at now, where there is a comfortability between the labels and streaming. And the streaming service is starting to kind of give a little bit of, uh, I guess, pay dividends to the 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 artists themselves. Um, I'm comfortable with it. Uh, I stand as someone from, you know, I'm 26 years old. My generation is one that has never had uh, a tremendous amount of success when it comes to record sales coming back and people start buying records again. I mean, you guys know, every yeah. 10 years you hear, they go, well, you know what? I've heard that vinyl is coming back in a big way and nobody's going to be, you know, it's all going to be about and people like, you know, I always joke that, you know, that there's that thing everybody says, this is the band that's going to bring rock and roll back. And you go, well, am I going to be the guy who's going to bring the rotary telephone back or the black and white TV? There are things that move on culturally um, in terms of the zeitgeist where people go, I want the new thing. And rock and roll, as you mentioned in the Three Sides episode, uh, uh, Michael, it, it doesn't die. It just evolves and moves on like the scene that we currently exist in. Um, but it, as, it was, as it pertains to, to records... People aren't going backwards, and I think that we have to acknowledge that and say, well, if people aren't going to go backwards and they're not going to go back to the old model, what can we do as an industry and as artists that will at least give us some benefit and will allow for the labels to continue to do business that is a you know kind of allows for us all to have a career. Um, so for me, it's like you know we this will be our first record, uh, Blackville, first Blackville record coming up. Um, that has, will be released since they started counting streams in terms of first week sales and all that. So I'm very curious to see that. But look, do I encourage people to go out and buy the record in a traditional format on iTunes or in physical copies? Absolutely. That's my favorite. That's 100% my favorite. Um, if I had to say to someone, hey, what's the best way you could listen to the album? That would be the way. But if you are someone who has a, a Spotify subscription or an Apple Music subscription, and you go, Black Love Rides is my favorite band, and I've only ever listened on that format, or Andy Black, I've only heard We Don't Have to Dance on that format, thank God for you, because there's plenty of people who are just listening to the tuned-down version on YouTube that doesn't benefit any of us. Right, and, right. And, and Andy, is it is it <clears throat> safe to say that you pretty much look at your music as a promotional tool for your career and everything else involved in your career? You know, back back in the olden days... Everything else was about promoting the music. You go out on tour to promote the music. You did this to promote the new album. With the way the industry is now, it sort of sounds like what you're saying is, you know, we if a sale happens, great. You know, I, I sort of talk to clients. I'm like, that's gravy. If you can sell it, that's the gravy. But if you're counting on surviving on music sales alone, your career is not going to have a, a life to it because it, you there that just doesn't exist so are you using the music to promote 
the reason to go buy the ticket to go to the tour. And then while you're there, you're buying the T-shirt. And maybe to do, you know, the the pledge music um, campaigns or a VIP. And is that mm-hmm. how you sort of view it? Well, truthfully, um, I think, and, and to kind of reference what I was saying earlier, one of the things that is really great about where we're at currently um, with rock music in particular, and, and in all music to a large degree, but rock music because there is, again, there's kind of that, um, there's a there's the nostalgia element that people have towards it, or there is, uh, you know, new, new rock music isn't as readily accepted by older rock fans. There is a beauty in the... Um, I suppose, I mean, I, look, I'm not someone who's ever really fought for artistic integrity or artistic uh, credibility uh, because I feel like if you're doing something that's true to you and that is real for you and you're not pandering, then you deserve that uh, kind of respect. Um, but there is a truth behind bands making music that they know probably will go largely unheard. I mean, when you consider the fact that album tracks are less and less a thing that people hear and people are listening to more and more singles again, um, you you're you're going well. Track seven on this record might not be heard. If you're a band that maybe is in the can draw, say you're in a band that can draw about 300 people, and you've got a, a dedicated fan base to that capacity, you know that there's a strong likelihood that track seven on your 12 song record is not going to be heard that often, except apart from your key fans. And yet, bands are still putting out 12 song records, and they're still really dedicating themselves. So I don't know that it's necessarily a promotional tool so much as it's. That is the art and the passion. And then you have to also have all these ulterior skills to be able to promote that art and passion. Um, Everyone likes to give a tremendous amount of respect and reverence to um, the bygone era of rock stars. And I understand that. And if it wasn't for them, I don't, you know, if it's not for David Bowie and Kiss and these other rock stars, I don't have the opportunity when I'm a kid to want to put on eye makeup and dance around and be that guy, right? But none of them had to have the skill set that a 19-year-old kid has to have now That's to right. start a rock band and to succeed. Yeah. Um, and so there is just so much more expected of an artist nowadays that if the music even comes out at all, to me, that's a testament to their artistry and the fact that they really give a shit. Yeah, well, that leads me to another question. How do you balance the songwriting, touring, you know, the creative process with this new music business where you're posting to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, you know, you may even be doing like Michael mentioned pledge music. You might be doing, you know, a bands in town or a noise trader. There's all these different ways to market the music. How deep do you get involved in that? Uh, in addition to the creative process, the songwriting, the performing, that sort of thing. Um, well, I mean, I, I was kind of an early adopter when it came to social media. Um, when it came to uh, like MySpace and LiveJournal and, and that kind of era, sure. that was I was in I was in high school when all that started, and we you know it was it was the era just before smartphones and so much accessibility um, prior to Twitter and all that, right. and we had dial-up internet at home. But I would I would get on every day after I had a summer job, and I really started to develop kind of my brand as it were. I didn't know that that's what I was doing uh, on MySpace, and I built up kind of a fan base to where. Um, there was a there was a, an innate understanding that if I could connect with people around the world utilizing this platform, um, and I could uh, have a personal connection, there would probably be an immediate interest in music that I created, and there would be an audience there. So I built up kind of the quote unquote fan base through MySpace in those days, and then by the time it came time for me to release demos or songs, anything I put out, there was a built-in audience because the connectivity was already there. Um, 
now, having the reason I, I preface it with that is that that parlay into and an audience that existed already on Twitter and an audience that existed on Instagram and every new platform that has been launched since then, there has been a pre-existing audience for my art and my band because of that due diligence that was done in the early days. Um, I would be lying to you if I said that I am an aggressive Instagram user or that I am as accessible as maybe I even should be. Um, maybe a lot of that comes from the fact that I've been a road dog for the last 10 years and was on the road nine months of the year and finally have kind of slowed down a bit and I'm enjoying spending time with my wife and my animals and being at home, you know. Um, but uh, there, there is certainly an element where, you know, and I'm, I'm aware of it. When I'm on tour, I, I want to give content to the fans. I want people to see what's going on. Um, when I'm in rehearsals, it's, it's a fun thing to be able to share it. I utilize the platform now in my life more as a fun opportunity to share with a large fan base an audience, um, than to a, uh, necessarily a promotional tool. But when you're young, I mean, I can't imagine, I talk to my wife about this all the time. Uh, I have so much respect and give so much credit to bands that are just starting now in rock music and are utilizing these platforms in such a creative and interesting way. And you absolutely have to. I mean, I've seen, Mike, I've seen you talk about it before. Um, the importance of the connectivity of a one-to-one -one connection with the audience on uh, social media is paramount to building an audience right now. And I think all the bands that, the young bands that I've taken on tour as opening bands in my solo project, the young bands that have, to, have opened for Black Veil, one of the, unanimously, one of the things they always have is this strong connection with their audience and an understanding that they have uh, something in common. Um, and that's all about not pandering. And I think that, uh, real quick, I've been a strong proponent my entire career of being honest with your audience. And as social media grows and as the um, interest that people have in just connecting quickly grows, sometimes adult men can find themselves pandering to teenagers to try to get them to accept their art. And I think that that's a, a fatal flaw because you don't want to you don't want to question the intelligence of your audience or, or talk down to them. Um, the best connections are made between an audience that knows that the thing that they love and the person that's putting out that art, we both believe the same thing. Any band that is in my uh, peer group, whether it's, you know, like I said before, uh, Pierce the Veil or All Time Low or Black Veil Brides or Emotionless and White or Falling in Reverse or any of these bands that have had success in, in my world, there's always, the, there's always a realness to it. There's always the understanding that your audience, what you're putting out there, you truly believe. And whether they agree with it or not, you truly believe it. Um, and I would say if I gave any advice to young bands, it's always maintain your artistry and who you are. Uh, and don't watch trends to pander. If Obviously, we've talked before, Mike, about KISS following trends and everything else. As far as social media goes, I think it's it's really a mistake to go, well, that successful band posts a inspirational quote every day, and so I'm going to jack that and do the same thing. I think people can smell that real quickly now because there's so much of it. Yeah. To to totally agree. I mean, I think... Honesty in your social media relationship is what it comes down to. You can't over-calculate, over-plan out what you're going to do because you, what you're trying to do there is calculate your life. You're trying to calculate a friendship, and you can't do that. Social media is a friendship. You know, yeah. Even though you don't necessarily have a direct face-to-face -face relationship with that fan, it's a friendship, especially in the fan's eyes. They have a friendship with Andy on Facebook or Twitter or wherever it might be. And I can attest to this 
when you've been on the, the KISS podcast a couple times, your followers on Twitter are just amazing. The, the way they just accept whatever you just did. You know, it's like, hey, Andy just came on and talked about KISS for two hours. <laughs> you know, in the back of my head, my, my marketing mind is going, what is the hardcore you know, Black Veil Brides are going to give a crap about a two-hour discussion of KISS. But you know what? They do because you were real and you were passionate and they could sure. feel that from you. So then they wanted to they wanted to learn more and follow you. And you're right. You can't, you can't sit here and try and go, well, the latest social media report says that for 2018, this is what I need to be doing. And I need to post this often and I need to post this type. And it, the video needs to be 37 seconds long. Don't. Don't worry about that. I tell people all the time, don't worry about all that stuff. Just worry about posting something that your fans Genuine. Like. Yeah. Just yeah. be real. If you can do that once a day... You're gonna succeed. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And, and look, I've been I would be lying if I didn't say I'm not incredibly fortunate. You know, I think that um, there is a an interest that people have, particularly in today's society, because there's always a, a, a equation for everything in terms of online. People think X, Y, Z, there's a, there's always a number of steps. Um, the first music video that we did inexplicably caught fire. I mean, it's, it's at this point, I believe it's, it's almost at, uh, it's well past a hundred million views. Um, and that was something that in 2009, I made a video with a friend of mine for about $2,000 in a warehouse in downtown LA. And, uh, it came out and it, it just caught fire and the content made sense to people and it resonated with people. Um, and that helped me build the rest of my career. Uh, Hot Topic took a chance on us during the time that like the Twilight series was really popular, and our merchandise wound up on end caps near that merchandise, and they thought that the fan base might be similar, and it started to outsell a lot of the major label artists there, and so we got signed to a major label. Like things have been, I've had a lot of fortunate situations, um, but if it wasn't for that core fan base that's been around and growing and dedicated since that MySpace era, those doors don't get knocked down. So um, it's been, it's been. Uh, you know, obviously there's luck involved, uh, but it's, it's just been about the fan base more than anything. It really is. Black Love Rides is a testament to a band that um, critically was, was panned in the early days. Uh, uh, people did not get or understand the, the makeup and the imagery and stuff kind of, you know, we, we got we got a lot of rejections in the early days from booking agents and all these people. Oh, what is it? 1985. Like nobody wants this. Uh, the fans wanted it and they, and they made it happen for us. So, again, the biggest advice I always give to young bands is. Um, understand that no one is more important than your fan base. Um, no sycophant around, no one telling you how important you are, no amount of you looking in the mirror and going, I'm the shit right now, um, is, is as important as understanding and trying to give your fan base something that uh, is true to you and you feel like they'll enjoy. Are you mindful of new technologies when you're creating, say, uh, a new album or video. For example, in the old days, we'd have an album cover that was 12 by 12, right? Mm -hmm. Now it's relegated to two inch by two inch if you're lucky. <laughs> in yeah. some services, it's even smaller. So your creative for your album cover has to be a, a certain way. You're talking about videos. You know, you're now you're not creating the hundred thousand dollar, five hundred thousand dollar ridiculous video. You can, as your point, as you pointed out, you can be very effective. Just knowing and what who your base is and being genuine and creating something that doesn't have to be super expensive. But you see where I'm going. I mean, how mindful of you are are you 
when you're creating videos, album covers, songs to, you know, people listening, you know, with their earbuds in and maybe not in front of giant speakers and, and those types of things. Yeah. I mean, I, every record that we've made, um, I, I, you know, we do the, the, the headphone test, uh, the artwork always We're look, I'm, I'm a sucker for big, crazy artwork. Every album cover that I've ever done has been painted. Um, they're large uh, paintings done by, uh, our artist, Richard Villa, who's designed all of our stuff and has painted all of our album covers since the beginning. I love that particularly for a band like Blackfield Brides with the kind of like old school metal feel. It's mm-hmm. very important to go for that Derek Riggs kind of vibe. Um, but you know, we also understand that the image has to look good here. Right. So there's some, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because you look at a big painting that has all this detail and you go, well, if I shrink it down, it doesn't work. So we have to take out that element of that element and make this bigger. And, you know, I mean, you can't teach the eye of looking at something and eyeballing something and going, I know that the logo needs to be larger on the top there. And I understand, but that's, that's one of those things where artists didn't used to have to do that. You know, we, no. we, we look all the time at these artists who had creative departments that determined their album covers. It wasn't the artist doing it. So right. um, you really have to have, you have to be a jack of all trades and you have to develop your eye and your aesthetics and your interest um, to be able to, to continue on in, in doing this and, and find a comfortable life. Look, I've been, as I said, very lucky. And, you know, I, I, I get to do this for the last decade. I continue to get to do it. I'm about to leave in a couple of days to go, you know, be one of the headliners on this tour that I grew up going to. Like, it's it's an incredible experience to, to be able to do this, but it's a nonstop, uh, constant job, you know, and you're working real hard. And that's cool because I didn't finish high school. I have no other options. So uh, this is my only, this is it for me. <laughs> let, 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 me let me ask you one more question before we wrap up here. I know in the past, Black Veil has, um, you've, you've done pledge music, crowdfund. I wouldn't necessarily call it a crowdfunding campaign because it was more of a pre-order campaign, correct? Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, we used Pledge Music on the previous Blackville record to do. Basically, that's how we did our pre-order, um, what are which your feel- then included what are your all feelings kinds of, of that. How, how do you feel about that? How did it work out incredible. for you? What the fan? What was, was the fans' response to that? And, and I, I watched it happen. My my wife. Uh, Use pledge music to to fund her her last album, and uh, that was that was. I mean, just watching her do it, it it's it's obviously a lot of work um, to maintain and keep up all that stuff. But the response from fans is so strong, you know. And we do. I do. Obviously, my my weekly uh, podcast show is done through Patreon, um, and so we have subscri- It's a subscription service, so people watch. And they and they have a different different tiers of subscriptions, right. and people love it because you know there's a subscription level where it's a guest on the show or it's you know whatever it is. Um, it seems to be that that kind of on demand service uh, is is where things are trending, and people seem to really enjoy it. Now, there is a lo- a limit to when you're when you're first starting it, you commit yourself to everything, and part of the problem in that is that it's sometimes difficult to be a touring artist who is going out all year long and also you know, fulfill all these different things, Uh, you know, 6,000 signed copies of this thing. Well, that sounds great. And then you're, you know, sitting in Des Moines one night with a stack (laughs) of CDs this big and you're like, there is no way we got to play a show eventually. Like, um, but yeah, all of that stuff, uh, you get through it and you do it. And, and, you know, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a joy to be able to know that you're doing something that is more than just releasing an album and hoping people bask in your artistry and how great you are. Uh, You're doing something that really connects. Did you did you get any um, flack slash feedback from people saying, "What does Black Veil Brides need to do a pledge music campaign for? You got a major deal. Why are you sure. doing this?" 
Um, yeah, I don't think so. I think it's just so commonplace that you see artists utilizing those platforms now that I don't know. I mean, if there was any any chatter or anything, I didn't see it. Uh, but I think I could understand it in the capacity that I don't know that everybody understands what those things are just yet. You know, I think yeah. people still look at it and go, crowdfunding is, you know, for entrepreneurs and kick uh, upstart artists and those things to like get their thing going. Um, you can utilize those platforms in other ways for an existing audience to give them something more, and it's just a way of streamlining that process. I can say to you right now, hey, man, you like what I'm doing. I'm sure you'd love me to come over and paint a picture with you, and then you and I could one-to-one -one do that service together. But when you have a larger audience, running it through a service like a Pledge Music or a Patreon is a convenient way for the the person to know that what they're doing is through a reputable site. They can know that the, the money that they're spending is not going to just some nebulous area, and you're getting a service done, and you can you can have that joy of connecting with your audience even more. Yeah, I think that Pledge Music used to be kind of like Kickstarter in the early days, and now it's a music community that yeah. you go to to discover new music for people who are passionate about music. It's much more than just crowdfunding. You know, it's, yeah, absolutely. So we, we, we need, need to wrap up here, but I want to give you a chance to just inform everybody, what, what are you doing right now? I mean, you mentioned that there's a Black Veil <laughs> album coming and that you're heading out on tour in a couple of days. What's going on in your career right now? Uh, I just uh, I just wrapped uh, my first like starring role in a film. Um, it's called American Satan. And, oh, uh, congratulations. In the fall, uh, we I have a meeting in a, in a few days before I leave. It looks like it's going to get a nice wide theatrical release, so people will be able to see it. Um, that that was fantastic, directed by Ash Alvinson. Uh, I am hosting this year's APMA Awards uh, on July 16th in Cleveland. That will be streaming on Amazon uh, Prime and I believe Netflix and a few other streaming services. Um, and uh, what else is going on? I'm leaving for Warp Tour in a few days. Uh, I'm I'm one of the headline artists uh, as a solo uh, artist, Andy Black, um, on the Warp Tour this year. Uh, and you know, there's uh, what else? The Black Hill record is going to be coming out uh, probably early in 2018. You'll start hearing music in in the fall of this year. Um, and then I'm going to start work on the next Andy Black record probably at some point uh, later in the year during the kind of time off between uh, the two tours. Let, so. let, let me one, – one real quick question. Why for your solo career were you not branded as Andy Biersack? Um, I liked the idea of having a link between the band and uh, this kind of uh, characterization of myself. So utilizing the word black, their cat – you know, obviously Black Veil Brides. Uh, the idea was – you know, I, I obviously it's not Buster Poindexter. You know, I'm not creating this entire other character for myself, but it was an, a way of detaching it from just being me because I am ostensibly I'm a guy who is talking to you on this podcast right now. Um, it's a different me than is on stage uh, on in Blackville Brides shouting and being crazy, and it's a very different me than the Andy who is on stage doing um, the the Shadow Side uh, record. I understand that that is innately. Uh, uh, pretentious, <laughs> but uh, it's the idea is to try to you want to give the audience different elements of yourself, and I've always loved Bowie in that capacity that there was all these different eras, and I love the fun of that. You know, we've talked before about Blackville uh, doing concept records, and we have these kind of character names. Um, I love comic books. I love the idea of kind of building something out of a, of a regular person. Batman, I got Batman tattoos all over my arm. The idea that a regular guy creates this other character for himself. Um, so in all those ways, it was just a fun way of differentiating and then also keeping a bit of a link between the two. And 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 for those who aren't familiar, I mean, Andy Black, sound-wise, is very different than 
Andy Biersack in Black mm. Brides. So, I mean, is, for me as an outsider, I would sit here and go, well, if I had saw that Andy Biersack was doing a solo album, my first thought is, because of the name and the association of Black Veil Brides, it's going to have a sound similar to Black Veil. Mm-hmm. And the fact yeah. that, that you created this character of a different name yeah. actually kind of puts a clear cut. This is different. You're it's not, a different project. You're, yeah. you're not listening to Andy Andy Biersack do Black Veil Brides without his band. This is a completely right. different project. Yeah, I mean, there's no one of the one of the benefits that I have as being someone who is a, a student of rock music and I grew up watching um, my idols and the, and their their kind of the things they did that were the best and their their pitfalls uh, there's there's it's not uncommon to watch a band uh, the singer maybe or somebody in the band gets a wild hair up their ass and decides that now they're gonna do this other kind of music and they start to inject that more heavily into the band that they've cultivated over the course of their career. I felt that it was important to keep the integrity of Blackfell Brides, um, whatever that is, whether people think we have it or not, our personal right. integrity to ourselves, uh, and the sound that we had put together as a band. I love, uh, you know, I love, I, to me, I, I have just as much fun listening to like Lords of the New Church or Sisters of Mercy as I do uh, Guns N' Roses or Motley Crue. Um, and so, but... And that's kind of there are elements of that throughout the course of Blackville because that's a lot of my influence. But I felt like it would be a lot of fun to go full bore and to make a record that had those kind of '80s pop synth goth, you know, Joy Division elements to it. Um, and I'm also a huge like Springsteen fan. I love like singer songwriter kind of over the top, you know, Jungle Land seven and a half minute long songs. That's not something that's going to go really in the in the context of Blackville. So it was really just an opportunity for me to do something different. I think that that is um, important for anyone that does any form of art that you feel like is a collaborative effort. If you're going to go outside of that, it's maybe a good idea to establish that this is a new thing. This is different. Um, this is something that you don't necessarily have to love. If you're a fan of Black Belt, I'm not saying you have to buy this record and you're going to love this. Um, and this, I think that by branding it differently and, and giving it a different look and establishing it differently, it gives a clear cut differentiation to the fan base that it's not like I'm sidestepping the band and doing just a solo metal band. This right. is a whole different thing. Right, you know? right, right. Andy, this was awesome. It's always, it's Thanks, always man. refreshing. Great to talking with you, man. Love speaking with you. Thank you for having me on, guys. Hey, anytime you're welcome. I know you're going to be busy for the next year now. <laughs> you're, you're, you're welcome back anytime you want to. You want to lay down some wisdom on the music industry or whatever's going on. Anytime. Um, anytime, man. So Continued success, man. Thank, thank you, guys. You. Thank Thanks, you. Andy. Appreciate it. Thanks. I'll talk later. Yep. All right. Andy's always, like I said, a pleasure to speak with. I've had him on yeah. uh, my other podcast a couple times, and, you know, the comments I get back from listeners all the time is, wow, it was just a refreshing joy yeah. to listen to a musician who's got a head on his shoulders, you know, and I, and I, and I'm not meaning that in a way that all musicians don't, but some don't, it's, you know, some don't, but it's just, it was, it's always an intelligent conversation with him. Yeah. He's, he's really bright. He's, you know, for being a young guy, he's very experienced. And I love that he grew up in an era where he could kind of watch the changing of the guard, so to speak. So he kind of gets both worlds, the old world and the new world. Um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, yeah, you know, so it's always it's always good to get get you know a viewpoint from somebody in a different situation. Like you said, yeah. this band's been around ten years. I mean, think about that. That means two thousand seven. 
I mean, yeah. fr- frankly, the guard has was already long changed by then. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's what's interesting is that I know you you believe this, and some of our idols believe this. You can't sit back and wait for things to happen to you. You have to go out and make things happen. And when you asked him, like, hey, what do you have coming up? Holy cow. He's not sitting back and waiting for anything to happen. He's, he's creating. He's out there. Out yeah. there with his, love with his brand. Really? His Yeah, he wants to be creative. And listen, I mean, as an artist of any type of artist, I feel like that's what you've got to do. You've always you can't just sit back and wait for somebody to go, "Hey, could you come and join my movie?" No, why don't you go knock on a few doors and say, "You know, I'd yeah. like to try being in a movie." Yeah. Or I'd like to try writing or I'd like to try producing or whatever it might be. Um, yeah. you know, yeah, spread your wings. So, yeah, go out there and check out Andy, check out the Black Veil Brides, check out Andy Black. Um, and you know, and here's what I'm going to say. And, and and don't take this in the wrong way. There are a lot of people who who are familiar with Blackville Brides and roll their eyes and go, "Oh my God, what is that?" Check out Andy Black, his solo project. It's very different than Blackville. I I like both, but um, it's it's definitely worth a listen. Definitely yeah. worth a listen. And and he's he's heading out on on the Warp tour this summer, so check him go out. Go see him well. live. Yep. By yeah. All means. So. Do we have? Uh, I think it's, it's it's your turn this week for okay. a you need help with your online strategy. Okay, if you need, uh, yeah, exactly. So, if you're fortunate fortunate enough to get on a Spotify, Apple Music, whatever, if you're if you're fortunate enough to get on a playlist, and you're not promoting that, driving traffic to it, you need help with your digital strategy. And and what I mean by that is, if if you get into even if it's you know, a small playlist. Make sure that you're telling people about it. The DSP is going to want you to drive traffic to that, and that's going to help you. More listens, more spins, more adding to personal playlists is only going to help you to move up in the position of the playlist, to get on other playlists. They're going to see that, and you don't have to necessarily be in you know, a giant playlist, and it could be one that you've created on your own. But you, if you're on a playlist, make sure you're letting people know. Yeah, you know, and and, and I'll I'll actually take that idea to a broader sense. If you're not taking advantage of anything that's happening around your career, you need help. And what I mean by that is, I've heard from so many. I've got a lot of friends who are writers for magazines and blogs and you name it. And I can't tell you how many times they they just get so pissed that they do an amazing interview story on this artist. They post it. They get it great placement. And then the artist never does anything with it. The artist will never share it on their Facebook page, never tweets it out, doesn't put it in the press section of their website. And 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 these these writers are just like what why do I even waste my time with this artist? I'm not going to do it again for that artist. I'll do it for somebody else. And this this is that whole concept. If something good happens, a playlist edition, uh, uh, maybe you just got featured on the homepage of your genre on iTunes, you got yeah. a great review, you need to first be watching for those things every day. You need yeah. to be 
have Set somebody up a Google alert, Google News whatever. alerts. You just yeah. need to be logging in and checking. And then when you see something, don't wait a week. It's got to happen Jump today. Today, yeah. you need to act on it today. And and it's nothing more than what I like to say. I've said this for years. Show a little love. That's Absolutely, it costs do- you nothing. All you're doing is making a post. Um, you know, here one. I'm working with a client right now. And they just did a press release that just got picked up by a bunch of hard rock and metal news sites yesterday. And I'm telling them, all right, now today, it's the same press release, but I don't care. You're posting it every time somebody new picked it up and you're saying, thank you to Brave Words for sharing this. Thank you to Blabbermouth for sharing this. Thank you to Eddie Trunk for sharing this. Tagging them so hopefully they know you, you said this. But all you're doing is showing the love and saying thank you. That's all you got to do. You don't have to do anything yeah. more than that. You don't have to build a front page display. You don't have to throw it into an email blast. Anything more you want to do is great, but just do the basics. You get into yeah. that playlist, make sure you tell all of your fans, you just got added to this playlist. Here's a link to it. Go follow this. Done. Yeah, and I would even add that to user-generated content because sometimes you'll see fans might do a video of themselves covering your song or there might be somebody shot a video of you live or at something that you like that's pretty cool. Repost it. Drive traffic to it. Thank that person for doing that. Share the love. Yep, yep. Good Good point. Great point there, Jay. All right, that's it for this week. Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We're out of here.